SVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Thanks to Chad Moyer filling in for me last week and Clay yesterday as I had some technical issues on my end when we were at the NRD meeting. Looking at the numbers today, kind of a mixed type of bag as we look at the corn, seeing some higher numbers along with the wheat. It was a struggle on the soybean side. Flip the calendar and into the page of livestock and not a pretty picture. A lot of negativity going on. We're going to dive into what is going on in these markets today and why we're on the struggle bus, shall we say. Darren Fry joins us. He is with Water Street Advisors. And I want to start out talking about the livestock side of things because um, as you and I were talking before the program started, there's a lot of things that are factoring in, including maybe some topping out on the charts for these livestock. Yeah, there sure is, Susan. I, I think the macro headwinds, the recessionary talk, the fact the feds have a lot farther to go, and the fact that we're coming into some better supplies here as we move into the fourth quarter, especially for hogs, has had these markets tipping over. And when you think about it, just in the last five sessions, we've taken, you know, almost um you know, the, the gone from high to lows here on like the December hog chart. So it's a pretty scary move and it's been pretty quick. And same thing with cattle. You know, we've, we've come from the top of the chart down to the middle of the chart. And I think there's a lot more to go, but I think we're in the process of making highs here for the next year, year and a half here in both these markets. So let's look at the, the recessionary fears. How much is that weighing in on what we see for the livestock trade? Well, I think it's a big deal. We've seen disposable income get crushed because of things like rent and medical expenses and, you know, obviously utilities. And then you talk about, you know, gasoline prices, food prices. These things have all pressured middle-class America and lower-class America where they just don't have the funds to spend on luxury things like beef or maybe they're cutting back and taking a different menu on from the grocery store. And I think that's the concern, whether it's... uh, you know, fair to, to to have it realized now or whether this is just fear and the market front running what they think is going to happen. I don't know. But technically, uh, the market is under pressure. And I think we've seen some tops come into play. And I think it's based on fear of a recession more so than anything else. And the fact I'm not sure we can afford stuff with the pressure of our disposable income being shrunk. I was reading earlier, too, that um, when it came to slaughter rates, cattle are up over 1%, kind of pushing closer to 2% from a year ago levels. No surprise considering the dryness that continues? Yeah, you know, there there could be some of that factoring in as well. But if you take a look at the drought out west, uh, there's concern around, you know, just securing feed. We know a lot of feed with a low sorghum uh, amounts out there too, a big a big reduction in that crop as well as the corn crop. A lot of this feed is going to have to be moving from east to west and of course that costs money for transportation and that just ups the cost to these producers and if we see shrinking margins as far as feeding livestock that's going to put more pressure more liquidation and it is uh, going to pressure the market lower from a hog perspective i know recession and concerns of consumer purchases have been affecting cattle a lot more but are we seeing a way in on this hog market I think so. I I think the hog market, the chart looks terrible. We've seen, you know, some of the upfront months like October gain on the back months, but overall, this has just turned into bloodbath. I mean, in the last five sessions, uh, we've taken off, you know, 12 bucks off of the lean hog price. So 
that is a dramatic move, and I think we have more to go to the downside. Not a lot more before we see a bounce, but I still think you get simmer hogs down that 72, 73 area pretty easy before a bounce comes. And we were just trading almost 90 here a week ago. So that's a big collapse of the market for sure. Overall supply issues, though, do you see that as a big concern as we start to wrap up this fourth quarter? Well, we'll find out more on Thursday when we get the next hog and pig report, but I would expect that we're going to continue to see some contraction. I I don't think there is um, the, the incentive to expand right now with high feed costs, especially now given what the meat side is doing. So I wouldn't be surprised we see further contractions, and that might be what brings us back and gives us the next rally. Before we jump over to the, the grain side of it, what's, what's some keys that you want to be keeping an eye out then for these livestock heading into, it's hard to believe, the last week of uh, September? Well, just keeping a track of, you know, what kills are and obviously how meat's moving, what exports are doing. But based on the charts, I'm looking for key areas to support where we can get a rally maybe established from. And so it's more technical for me right now than anything as those are leading the market lower. So I think we will have a bottom here in place in the next week or two for a bounce, but not a bottom like we're going to new highs. Just a bottom for a rally to sell, in my opinion. But I'd recommend producers of livestock, whether it be on the beef side or the pork side, really take any bounces to do more hedging because I think the headwinds of the macro picture are upon us, and I think that does not bode well for the meat sector here as we move in the next six months. Since we were talking about dryness, uh, let's switch over to the, the grain side of it and talk about Argentina. Uh, they're into their planting season, and that's been a struggle for them. Oh, man, it's a big struggle. Uh, they've been used to planting more and more later crops, late season crops, and harvesting later. And I think they're going to be forced to do that again just because they have no moisture to get things going. We know their wheat crop has been struggling, but, hey, they're not going to be able to plant until they do get more moisture, and I don't see any relief in sight over the next two to three weeks of the forecast to change my mind on that. Things look pretty good for Brazil, especially the center and northern part, but I think the problems are southern Brazil and Argentina with this La Nina continuing to move forward. So as we dealt with the weather-related markets, they are as well to the south. They certainly are, and I think they will be through the end of the year because I, because I really don't see much relief until we get into late December, early January for La Nina to wane. All right, sounds good. Well, stick around, folks. We have a lot more coming up. We're going to dive more into what's been going on in this grain side of the complex on this Tuesday. Of course, we've got Stocks Report and WASDE that'll be weighing in, as well as what's happening globally. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel per acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontenelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker State. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other VM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fry with Water Street Advisors. And interesting times, shall we say, when we look at the happenings of this grain complex, a lot of choppiness is going to, I think, continue for really corn, beans, and wheat this week. Yeah, I really think so, too. You know, we're caught in between these macro headwinds looking lower, pushing our grain prices down, 
giving the index funds and the traditional funds concern over increasing their long positions or even holding long positions. And then, of course, you have the bullish things on the, you know, corn, soybeans and wheat side, like the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. You have the situation with yields decreasing here in beans and corn. We do have a stocks report on Friday, so we'll get more understanding of how small or large last year's crop finally was. Do we increase some of those ending stocks for the 21-22 year, therefore increasing beginning stocks, or do we make them smaller? And so we'll have that piece of the puzzle. And, of course, then we look forward to the WASD, where do they up or lower the yields? Most people think lower. And, uh, obviously, we're seeing yields come in in some areas worse than expected, some areas much better than expected. But it is a mixed bag out here. So we'll have to look to the USDA for next piece of that puzzle. So you have some bullish things going on, but you also have the bearish headwinds of the macro picture. And that is what's causing the choppiness along with just a thinner market. A lot of people are not trading. A lot of people have left the marketplace. There's just no interest in being chopped up. And that's causing some of the volatility. Can we expect some, some knee-jerk trading as the week wraps up then because of these reports? I think you could. I mean, any surprises, you know, even today we saw a, a Russian official come out and just mention the word nuclear. And, of course, wheat rallied 20, 25 cents just in a heartbeat and beans went to their high. They finished lower today, just like corn finished well off its highs. But that was the volatility of that headline. And we're going to see more of that as we do get piece of the puzzle from USDA and we continue to wonder what Putin will do as winter approaches. And that's just going to put it already a very stressful wheat market. And looking at the delays, I was really surprised, um, speaking of delays, when I looked at the latest crop progress report and how, how little winter wheat has been planted as of yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's slightly behind, but, you know, the harvest is slightly behind as well. And I think we will see that accelerate now as we get an open harvest window ahead of us. But I don't think that the wheat can, is a concern as far as when we get it planted, as long as it gets planted here. You know, by the mid part of October, we usually don't see a strong correlation to early planting on wheat that, that correlates to the final yield, different from corn, you know. But I think the biggest thing for wheat is getting a good stand and then how it tillers coming out of dormancy coming into the springtime here when we get to March and April. But, you know, harvest is behind, and I think you can expect some harvest pressure here as bushels move to the pipeline, fill some of that we've been lacking, and then, of course, begin to pressure the market. We're seeing in basis, we saw St. Louis drop 20 cents from yesterday to today, and I think you're going to see more of that here as harvest accelerates. So we talked a little bit about outside market influences coming from the Russia-Ukraine conflict continuing, but what about the lack of rallies and excitement in the stock market? Well, you know, the stock market is so concerned about what the Fed does, and they are insistent about getting on top of this inflation problem, getting it down under two. They have terminal rate at 4.5. The euro dollars are pricing that in. And the stock market uh, is going to stay under pressure. The dollar is going to stay supported until we see the Fed's pivot. And right now, that looks to be out in 2023 somewhere. So we're expecting more of a basis point hike, 75 more in November, uh, or excuse me, October, and then another 75 in November uh, to, to get it up to four and a half. And maybe even beyond that, uh, if they have to keep going, we have some 
really important numbers coming up here in the next few weeks, another CPI number, another PPI, but also the personal consumption expenditure number on Friday. And that'll tell us a lot of what the feds might have to do as we move into next week. And just like with the livestock, what are some things that you're really kind of keying in on as you have conversations with your customers? Well, the biggest thing is, is just I don't see a big rally coming in our grain markets, even with bullish fundamentals, unless these macros turn. And as long as the macros are headed lower, I think that's going to put pressure on the downside of our grain market. So kind of watching the Dow, I think the Dow will be the first thing to turn. And we got to see the dollar top out here and start to relax. I really have my doubts whether that's going to happen until we get into next year. So, um, hey, it's a bearish headwind. The fundamentals of our markets are going to have to overcome that. They may do that, but I think it's going to be some tough sledding here until we see that be overcome. So what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Darren? Well, they can look me up on Ag Twitter at Fry. That's F-R-Y-E underscore W-S-S. Or they could give us a, a look up on the web at www.waterstreetconsulting.com. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Darren Fry has been joining us today as we remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.